Graham. This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Are you or someone you know and love addicted? Let that question just resonate in your mind for just a moment. Because you see, addiction is a very broad subject. In fact, there are many ways in people in which people are addicted. And addiction is a phenomenon that is taking place and multiplying in the Western world. And yes, indeed, in America. Today on Viewpoint, we're going to look at what addiction is, We're going to talk about the various kinds of addiction, but we're also going to focus on hope for those who are involved in addiction, whether you or someone you love. There is nobody that is exempt. No one. If you're a human being, you are capable of being an addict. In 2019, about 20 million people in the United States had substance abuse abuse disorder, in the past year, 20 million in 2019. Alcohol is the most commonly misused substance in the United States. About 24% of people over 12 report binge drinking in the past month. Excessive alcohol use is the cause of about 95,000 deaths per year in the United States. In 2019, more than 10 million people in the U.S. reported misusing prescription opioids. About 130 people in the U.S. die each day due to fatal opioid overdose. And African Americans, by the way, are now two and a half times more likely to die of an opioid overdose compared to white Americans. It didn't used to be that way, by the way. Overdose deaths involving heroin increased fivefold from 2010 to 2019, reaching over 15,000 in 2017. And from 2013 to 2019, the overdose deaths involving heroin increased 63%. And you probably have heard of fentanyl. About 50 times more potent than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine. And people are dying every single day from less than an ounce. In fact, a microscopic amount, like a grain of salt, a fentanyl. Oh, it doesn't stop there, friends. Drug abuse overdose is the leading cause of accidental death in the United States. In 2020, estimated to be the deadliest year on record. And so, it's not just COVID, friends. It's addiction. But there are many kinds of addiction. Not just drug addiction. There's addiction. There are compulsive behaviors that actually are addictive-type behaviors. There is addiction to, say, Cell phone usage. There's addiction to the computer. There's addiction to Facebook. There's addiction to so many different things. Some people are addicted to starting fires. We call them pyromaniacs. There are so many different ways in which people are addicted. Some to food. Some to sex. Some to pornography. 
And it goes on and on and on. And we know, we know that these kinds of addictions are so broad in that 60 to 70% of Christian men admit to being involved in pornography. And about 34% of pastors admit to being involved in pornography. And about the same percentage of Christian women admit to pursuing pornography. Wow. You can see then that addiction is a very, very big issue for all of us. And if we're addicted to something, anything, it is depriving us of our relationship with the Lord and perhaps with others and destroying our testimony. So today on Viewpoint, having laid that foundation, not such a pretty foundation, but a real foundation, we're going to take a look with our special guest today, Jack Levine, concerning addiction and recovery. How to unmask addiction and unchain recovery. Uh, Jack is uh, joining us from the deep south in Orlando, Florida. And uh, Jack, it's good to have you on the program. Chuck, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, there's no question that this uh, business of addiction is very broad, and we've just scratched the surface, I think. There are so many uh, ways in which people can be addicted, can be overcome by this, that, or the other thing. And uh, we, God wants us to be in control of these temples called the Temple of the Holy Spirit, our bodies, and therefore our minds and our wills and our emotions. But addiction takes over those areas, sometimes in a biological sense, certainly over our wills and our emotions, and it affects everybody around us and not just ourselves. So this is a pretty big deal, isn't it? It really is, Chuck. And and like you said, and what a lot of people don't realize is addiction is a disease. And like the flu or like COVID, when you have the disease, you have symptoms of it. And what happens in addiction literally is your brain gets rewired so that the addiction itself becomes the priority of your life and mind, both consciously and subconsciously. You are pursuing that addiction at all costs. And we see what some of those costs are, Uh, loss of relationship, loss of job, loss of of finance, loss of health, Uh, so many things. I think personally addiction is a tool of the devil that he uses to destroy our, our lives, futures, hopes, dreams, and families. And he's doing a pretty good job of it so far. And, and Chuck, you know, and I know God tells us to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. He doesn't say we can invite him in and tell him when it's time to leave. Well, the interesting thing, Jack, is though, that before he tells us to resist the devil, he tells us to submit to God. And that's that's what nobody wants to quote. The book of James says, submit to God, then resist the devil. Unfortunately, we're too busy trying to resist the devil and not submitting to God. Maybe that's part of our problem. I think that is definitely a part of it, because God is very clear, um, as you know, Chuck, he says, be sober-minded, be clear and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking to devour you. So God is telling us to be sober and alert. And we won't get into the technicality uh, of Scripture today, can you have a drink or can you not? Certainly uh, different uh, pastors and denominations would interpret that differently. My interpretation is God never said it's, it's a sin to have a drink. He said it's a sin to be drunk. <laughs> However, just like the rich young ruler, if alcohol or drugs or anything is, is standing in the way, as you said in your introduction, Chuck, to your relationship with 
God and, and accomplishing God's purpose for, in your life. And we know he has one, as he told us in Ephesians 2.10, to do the good works, which he's prepared in advance for us to do. So if anything is getting in the way of that, then for you, that is a problem. Um, and certainly, you know, and anything that leads to addictive behavior that you can't control. When people say to me, uh, you know, I don't have a problem. Uh, I, I kind of laugh and, and I say, okay, listen, I'll believe you. Just put it down for 90 days. Don't do it. Don't do it for 60 days. Don't do it for 30 <laughs> days. But, but the truth is, Chuck, and, and they know this, and they know this deep inside. I, I'm a recovering addict, too, so I'm speaking from firsthand experience. Um, they know they can't even put it down for, for two weeks, much less two days. It's got them. And, and when I went through my own battle with drug addiction, I really felt like Satan had me in the pit, and he was pulling me down into the fiery pit of hell. I All right, like we want to talk about that yeah. uh, after this upcoming break. Sure. We don't want to get into the pit of hell, but we want to understand a little bit what that was like, uh, because addiction is profoundly addictive. In other words, it will destroy. We'll be right back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Try putting down your cell phone for two days. Don't even pay attention to it. Don't look at it. You'll find out how addicted you really are to it. It's pretty amazing. (laughs) People can't even take a walk without having a cell phone walk in front of their faces. Well, today on Viewpoint, friends, we're trying to have an honest conversation concerning this matter of addiction and uh, recovery. And uh, in order to talk and lay a proper foundation for recovery, we need to look uh, with an honest mind and heart at the the fundamental problem of addiction. Now, interestingly, our guest today, Jack Levine, said that addiction is a disease. You know why it's a disease? Because it disses your ease. Hmm. I want you to think about that. The reason it's a disease is because addiction disses your ease. In other words, it comes against it. But then again, we're told that addiction is a disorder. You know why addiction is a disorder? Because it disses the order in your life. Think about that. Anything that disses our ease and disses the order in our lives, those two things combined, we can be pretty well assured is contrary to the word, the will, and the way of the Lord. And that means this issue is a big, big deal for professing Christians across the country. Our special guest today, Jack Levine, with his book, Addiction and Recovery Handbook. Uh, Brother, you've put together a pretty massive uh, piece of work here. It's the contribution of so many, many people. And... uh, we want to make it available to our listeners here today, friends, for your gift of $23 to Save America Ministries. We're going to put it in your hands. Uh, this may be the tool that you have been waiting for because you, yourself, or a loved one is struggling, struggling 
We're not here to condemn people. We're here to, maybe there needs to be some conviction come as a result of today's program, but that's a good thing. Conviction is a good thing. God will condemn. We don't condemn. But we can be his tool used to bring sufficient conviction so that change can be brought about, transformation in your life or the life of someone around you. So here's the book, Addiction and Recovery Handbook, Unmasking Addiction and Unchaining Recovery. $23, we'll put it in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Or give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Okay, Jack, uh, we left you on the way down into the pit of destruction through addiction. Tell us what that was like. Yes, and, and I really felt like this is what an animal must feel like when he's caught in, in a trap and uh-huh. he can't get out. Um, the first year or so, and I'm, I'm just being arbitrary with the numbers, but, but drugs were great, Chuck. I, I love them. I love the experience. I, I love them. And, and the truth of the matter is that if there was no downside, I would still do drugs today. Um, now, I have seen God take the urge completely away from other people at like a light switch. One day they had it. The next day God has removed them, has delivered that from us, uh, delivered them from us. But God doesn't deliver everybody the same way. Some he gives us doctors and therapists and rehab to help us you know, overcome. So he doesn't heal everybody physically instantly. Some use doctors and, and, and medicine. So for me, it, it was rehab and understanding why I did drugs. But the, the horror of it, I was a high-functioning drug addict. I was a successful Madison Avenue executive, and I was functioning. But I knew my head would hit the pillow at night, and I would say, my life stinks. There's got to be more than this than to get up working, doing drugs, partying, um, just living this this lifestyle, gambling, women and uh, it, it left me empty, and I, and I just believed there was more. And it did take a physical, financial, spiritual, relational, and emotional toll on my life. And that's why when I talk to recovering addicts and their families, I know what they're going through. They know it. They, they may be in denial to you personally and not want to admit that they have a problem to their family or friends, but they know what is happening to them, and they're watching their lives crumble and go down, and that is heartbreaking. The great news is, as God tells us in 1 Corinthians ten thirteen, no temptation has seized us except what is common to man, but when you are tempted, God will provide a way out. All now, right, now wait a minute, wait a God minute. That there's a way out. Yeah, right? okay, the way out then uh, involves you. It's not just somebody else, it's you. And uh, you have to choose to want the way out. You have to choose and realize that you've reached bottom, right? Beautifully said, Chuck. And yes, it's just like salvation. It mirrors salvation, and it's a choice. We can share the truth of the gospel with someone, but we cannot make them accept it. So, so it's the same with addiction and recovery. All I can do with somebody struggling with addiction is to share the truth, what it truly is, what they're truly going through, and show them the ways out. But absolutely, it has to be their choice. That's why so many don't succeed, because they're mm-hmm. in rehab, not because they want to be. They're there, the court has ordered them, or a family member or a job has threatened them. or, or they, you know, So they kind of feel, I, bet, I better do this. But they really weren't ready to give up the sin. Uh, they still wanted the pleasure of it. And, and I can relate to that. There was a test when I was in college that they did with monkeys in the lab, and they gave them cocaine and food. There were two levers, a cocaine level and a, a cocaine lever and a food lever. A hundred percent of the time, the monkey would hit the cocaine lever until he died. 
And I think we look at sin like that in our lives. We see God sitting there, the God lever, and the sin lever, and we hit lever. But we know God's there, and we're thinking, all right, God, I can always hit the God lever. But no, you know, there's a point where that's too late. So, you know, th- this this addiction is, is a sin. It's disobedience to God. It wasn't God's desire that I become a drug addict. Now, the great news for all your listeners, and you talk about hope, Chuck, the great news is that just like the prodigal son, any time we turn back to God, God will take us, and first of all, he'll forgive us our sins. He's washed away our sins when we're truly repentant, and mm-hmm. he will use whatever we'll give him. And, and I had to ask God, you know, God, why did I have to suffer 10 years? I wasted 10 years of my life with my drug addiction. And God gave me the verse in uh, Corinthians uh, 2.1, where he said, the comfort you've received from God is the comfort you're to give others. So even though it wasn't God's plan for me to become a drug addict, God used that when I turned to him and turned back and repented, and I'm able to help others today. I'm very grateful for that. Isn't that a wonderful expression? You articulate it so well, Jack. Uh, and of course, the book, Ad- Addiction and Recovery Handbook, is the result of that. Not only the book, but your the book facilitates your being able on radio and television to be able to communicate uh, to the minds and hearts of others who are deeply, deeply trapped uh, in this problem. And it's not just uh, the addict, him or herself, that's uh, trapped, but uh, spouses and uh, <clears throat> fathers and mothers, uh, grandparents looking at others, uh, a husband looking at his wife trapped in alcohol, uh, a wife looking at her husband trapped in drugs, and uh, the parents looking at their kid, mm. and their kid is just absolutely trapped and being destroyed through drugs or alcohol. And the parent, in one sense, can't do anything about it mm. because the child hasn't yet shown the willingness to change. That's right, Chuck. And whether it's a spouse or a child, um, it really is that same thing. What I tell parents and spouses often, and and I really have to bring this clear to their mind, is, look, your happiness cannot be dependent on whether your child gets sober or not. I have many parents who say to me, I, I can't live again. I can't be happy until my child gets sober. And I say to them with love, I say to them, what you're saying is that God isn't enough. If your happiness in life is dependent on somebody else's behavior, then then your eyes are not focused properly on Jesus. It doesn't mean that that doesn't break our hearts. And you know what? Get a little glimpse of how God must feel. You know, when we're disobedient, we're throwing away the opportunity and the path he's promised us in Jeremiah 11, you know, 29, 11, the the path he has for us to give us a hope and a future not to harm us. And we go down the wrong road and God's heart must break. So we, we experience spouses, but all we can do. All we can do is, first of all, continue to love them no matter what. But it doesn't mean we enable them. We love them no matter what, and we let them know that at any time they're ready, there's help. There, there is a way out. There is hope and a way out. But like we talked about before, they have to choose it. Question. What I did in the book – go ahead, Chuck. D- d- does compassion, genuine compassion, result in enabling a child or someone else, anyone else, to continue in their addictive behavior? Um, I think misguided compassion can, uh, you know, I, I think we certainly want right. to be compassionate, but it, it can. In other words, you know, God is trying to bring the person to their knees and let them see the ramifications right. so that they are repentant and, uh, you know, and we're enabling them to continue this behavior. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of parents, their fear is, of course, that, well, if I don't protect them, he's going to get hurt. He's going to be, you know, in jail or, in, or die. And that mm-hmm. is a strong possibility. Many had it in jail and die. 
And so it's a very individual choice, but the textbook answer is do not enable this addiction. When we went through this with my uh, son who was uh, now in his 30s, he was a young boy, we went through this when he was a teenager with him, uh, we threw him out of the house. You know, we had two younger kids. It wasn't what we wanted to do, but his choices put him in that position, but we never stopped loving him. Mm -hmm. And But his disobedience interrupted our ability to bless him. So understand, God never stops loving us, but we can definitely interrupt God's blessings in our life by our, by our disobedience. And, and that's, you know, that's what we see. So God desires, of course, that we you know, get a hold of this and, and come back and, and love him. So I tell parents, listen, don't enable him. But many parents say, I can't, I can't live with myself. I say, then you know what? Accept the fact you have a drug-addicted son then continue to enable them if that is your personal choice. Don't make yourself miserable as well, but just accept that fact then. Well, maybe you're, you're constantly... addicted. Maybe maybe the parent becomes uh, uh, kind of like a yeah. corollary addiction uh, to wanting to feel good, a codependency, yeah. Uh, yeah. and that's dangerous as well. It is. There's a, there's a chapter on the book on, on codependency, you know, great chapter. And it is. But yet, you know, you're talking about a mother and a father and the love of a child. And I get that. I have three children. You know, I, I, I get that. I mean, we genuinely believed that our son was a walking dead man. And we, we were prepared to get a call from the morgue or the jail. But we knew that this was the only chance he had mm-hmm. was to let him feel the ramifications of this. So he came to the conclusion that he was ready to help. And what you want to hear, Chuck, and for your listeners to know this is here's how you'll know when somebody's ready, whether it's a loved one, a spouse, a friend. They need to say something like this. I'll do whatever it takes. Tell me what to mm-hmm. do. I can't live like this anymore. Yeah. Not conditions, not, hey, I'll go on Tuesday, but not on Thursday. I won't go to this meeting. I'll go here. I mean, that'd be like going to the cancer doctor or the heart surgeon and him telling you what to do to be cured. And you say, no, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. It's just absurd. It's yeah. absurd. Well, we live in absurd age. Mindset. We live in an absurd yeah. time. And our thinking is so upside down sometimes that we're able to justify just about anything uh, these days. And as a result of that, Uh, Not only is uh, addiction, various kinds of addiction, maybe it's addiction to gambling, maybe who who knows what it is. All of these are addictions and they're destructive. Uh, But what these are doing is absolutely seriously compromising our witness for Christ. Uh, How in the world are you able to talk with, uh, with integrity and honesty to someone about Christ's work in your life? when you are completely under the dominion of something other than Christ. Yep. It's a great point, Chuck. And and listen, the way I would say that to somebody is, listen, if you had a heart attack, you know, we would feel terrible for you. I'd say, oh, poor Joe, he had a heart attack. Now, if the doctor saved your life in in surgery and he came out and said, Joe, now we want you to eat healthy and exercise and you're going to live a long, healthy life. And Joe said, no, I won't do that. And he has another heart attack. Now we say you're an idiot. So, you know, the first time we had sympathy and and, and I look at drug addiction that way. I I don't blame anybody for for falling under this disease of addiction. It Mm -hmm. it is tricky. It it gets you, you know, you're got. But I do blame taking the way out when when there's a way out. You know, there's multiple there's multiple ways out. So I think that we have to understand the cause. And I want your your listeners to understand, Chuck, this is going to sound crazy at first, but it'll come clear quickly. Um, The drugs are not the problem. The alcohol is not the problem. The gambling is mm-hmm. not the problem. Right. You say, well, Jack, that's crazy. If we just stop that, everything would be great. No, those are a symptom of the problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is what you are running away from, that you are using that to escape reality. 
that you have chosen that as an escape. And a lot of these times we find out in therapy and in rehab that it's stuff that happened as kids. It's perceptions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there is trauma and abuse, legitimate, and that is, you know, tragic and heartbreaking. But a lot of the times it's our perception. It's a lack of self-worth. It's not understanding who we are in Christ. Yeah. Then you your listeners have ever had the search for significance by Robert uh, McKee great book mm -hmm. you know tells you what your position is in Christ we are sons of Christ and you know we need to step into that we have freedom in Christ we need to step into that so when you don't see yourself as clothed in the righteousness of Christ as 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 you know belonging to God's kingdom as a citizen and you feel less than or or or, or not worthy or depressed or anxious or, or upset all these things God tells us not to be he says don't mm -hmm. worry be anxious for nothing yet we worry about everything we're anxious for everything <laughs> God, it's like the woman don't. that had the word anxiety on her license plate i mean that was her <laughs> license plate i saw it not too long yeah. ago anxiety <laughs> Wow. Hey, listen, yeah. we're going to go into a break here, and uh, so we do need to break. But there are other aspects about uh, addiction, such as pain, injuries, and so on, that uh, catapult us into addictions. Let's talk about that when we get back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a For Pastors Only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. I have in my hands the book titled Addiction and Recovery Handbook, a forward by Daryl uh, Strawberry, the uh, a baseball player, Unmasking Addiction, Unchaining Recovery. $23 will put this uh, extremely valuable book in your hands. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or go to the website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Or uh, write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check and $5 for postage and handling. We need all the help that we can get. And I think you can understand that our guest today, who has put this book together, Jack Allen Levine, uh, knows what he's talking about, is not afraid to talk about it, but is deeply concerned and compassionate uh, for those uh, this is not a discussion or even a book concerning condemnation, but rather uh, to bring us to the place where we can recognize the reality of what is actually taking place, where we're dissing the ease in our life, we're dissing the order in our lives, and therefore we have what are called disease and disorder. So uh, we don't want that. Unfortunately, people get in auto accidents or they suffer a, a sports injury or who knows, different kinds of injuries. 
and uh, in the injury provides uh, a new test for the person called pain. Uh, Sometimes the pain can be ameliorated with surgery and other times it cannot or only be reduced. So people are prescribed hydrocodone or uh, Percocet or other kinds of drugs which are addictive. And it doesn't take long before they begin to do their job to addict you. So we have to take control over theirs and not yield to the temptation to continue to take them or we are actually daring ourselves to be addicted. Mm. Now, that's unfortunate, but that's exactly what happened. It happened to Rush Limbaugh, and it can happen to you. He had to go into 30 days of rehab in order to be delivered from addiction because of pain. Now, our guest today, uh, Jack Levine, uh, with his book, Addiction and Recovery Handbook, uh, this is this is different than somebody that goes into drugs or anything else uh, because they're trying to flee from from mm. some emotional thing. This is the pain is real. Yep. It's debilitating. Now what? That's a great point, Chuck. And, and first of all, we we want to be careful in, in saying that. Look, if you are truly in pain and your doctors prescribe these medications, you're supposed to take them. You're not supposed to suffer in pain. However, you know, when the pain has subsided or there's other ways, obviously you, you are addicted. You will be addicted, you know, after three days, seven days, 14 days, two yeah. months of, of these high, you know, uh, painkillers and, and opioid painkillers. They are addicting. So there's a withdrawal period. All right. But I want to make a little correction to what you just said. Please. Not antagonistically. But no, no, no. The, the problem the is that, that doctors were so willing uh, to provide remedies for people's pain that they provided remedies for too long a period of time. And so they prescribed hydrocodones and Percocet and so on for longer periods of time that were virtually guaranteed to per, uh, cause a person to be addicted. Therefore, the law actually had to change so that doctors could not prescribe those medications for those long periods of time. So just because a doctor says, oh, yeah, or makes a prescription, does not necessarily mean you should follow it in that sense. It's a great point. Thank you for sharing that. The law has changed in Florida now, where they'll just give you a three-day supply and then a seven-day supply, which Mm -hmm. is a good law. I I agree with that. So the people who are struggling with this, but so there is a period of withdrawal, regardless of how you got there, mm-hmm. that you go through. Just like if you have uh, surgery, there's a period of recovery for, you know, a few days or a few weeks, but it's a small price to pay, um, you know, to, to get through that process. So it's right. not unexpected. Uh, you have a toothache, you know, you dentist pulls your tooth, you have a little pain afterwards and you feel better. Um, so it's, it's the problem is that people keep going, that they get used to it. And they've decided to make that choice. Now, there are doctors who, who you know, are not paying attention, who are, are, are not even good, and, and others that are. So I don't want to condemn the medical profession. Um, and the patients are sitting there. You know, how does the doctor know when the guy says, my head hurts, my back hurts? Hey, you know, how does he really know? So he's trying to be compassionate. There was some right. who were just out and out crooks. But rather than getting to, to that, let's talk about, you know, how people deal with this. So like anything else, 
Chuck, I think you have to realize, you know, what is the cause here? So the pain has gone away. Now I have a choice to make. I have these drugs, which makes me, make me feel good. I actually nicknamed, this is pretty sick, when I was in the height of my Percocet addiction, not the only drug I was addicted to, cocaine at the end and, and quaaludes in the old days. Um, in the height of my Percocet addiction, I used to like nickname Percocet as the helper. The helper, like it used to just help me, you know, and I, and, and I started and I would take them only after work at five o'clock at night after I put in a full day's work. Then a few years in, I was taking them at two o'clock in the afternoon and five and seven. So your, and your job and it, really and caused you a lot of pain then, Jack. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I took the easy way out. I think uh, I think there was something that, that helped me temporarily. Uh-huh. And here's the, you know, but, but it didn't help me. Uh, long term, it, it wound up hurting me, and I knew it hurted me. And then I realized, like I said, I was addicted. So I think the key is to realize it early and to not be embarrassed and ashamed to get help. You know, I mean, again, what's the difference? How you got there? Whether it was from uh, the doctor prescribing you, or, or there was emotional pain. And the example I would use: if you broke your leg and you broke it playing soccer, or you broke it in a car accident, or a mafia guy hit you with a baseball bat, or you tripped over a hole. And and some people say, well, I won't get my leg fixed because I tripped over a hole. Well, that's ridiculous. Who cares how you got there? The only question now is, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And, and there's help no matter how you got into this addictive stage. Mm-hmm. And, and believe me, I, I sympathize with your story, and I believe in your pain, and I believe it's real, and I'm not blaming you. There, God said as you said, Chuck, and thank God you said it, and thank God God says it. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So there is no condemnation. There's freedom. But, you know, we need to be smart. So now the question is, what are we going to do about it? Are we going to continue in this addiction, or are we going to get help? There is a way out. God has provided a way out, seven ways out. And the example I would use, you know, I say, hey, if you want to go from Florida to New York, you can get there. You can take a car, a train, a bus. You can hitchhike. You can walk. You can take a plane. Uh, All of these ways will get you there. Some are much more efficient and effective than others. Some more costly than others. But every single one of them will eventually get you to New York. And I say that if you want a way out of drug addiction, there is a way. There are seven ways you can get out of drug addiction, possibly more. Just pick one and, and, and do it. Again, some more efficient than others. And that's why we wrote the book with the different perspectives, because I didn't want people to just hear one voice. That's a big problem in addiction recovery, that mm-hmm. people find out they have a problem and they go, what do I do? And if it's the AA guy or the rehab guy or, or, the, or the celebrate recovery guy, whoever you know, thinks that's the way that worked for me, it's got to work for everybody. That's not the case. Well, there are different ways that work for different people. Well, I'm looking at the pictures of all the contributors to this book. There are 18 of them that are pictured yep. on the back of your book, and plus you, that makes 19. Uh, that's giving a pretty, a pretty good uh, picture of what is available and uh, what uh, course of action you think might be appropriate. So what did you choose? So I I chose rehab, and the reason I went to a 30-day rehab is um, I I wanted to know why I did drugs. I I actually sent a a guy who worked for me. We had uh, 200 employees in our TV production business, and I could recognize when somebody had a drug problem, even though I was still addicted myself, (laughs) high-functioning. So we send the kid to rehab. He comes back. And he's thanking me, and, and he says, you know, thank, thank you for sending me. He goes, now I know why I did drugs. And he shut the door in my office and left, and, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I don't know why I do them. Oh, I know I tell you I do them. You know, they make me feel good. I deserve them, blah, blah, blah. But deep down, I said, I have no clue. So when I went into rehab, I, I was dying to know, and, and you know. You literally were drugs. dying to know. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally. And, and here's the amazing part. As, as we look back on my life, Chuck, um, 
in ninth grade, I was absent 90 out of 180 school days. My both parents would work, and I would tell them I was sick in the morning. I wasn't. I was lying. But my parents would go to work. I'd stay home, have fun during the house. I didn't want to go to school. The truth of the matter is I was isolating myself before I ever picked up a drug. So I was already, you know, looking to escape from some reality or something. And the great thing of therapy is it's not always a big deal. And you learn this in rehab. First of all, you learn about addiction, about the disease, what it does to your brain. You learn that you're not alone. You know, other people are struggling too. And you get mm-hmm. hope from that. And then you get tools and facts and truth, just like the gospel truth, either accepted or no, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So you get tools and the truth of addiction to use to get you to a lifestyle of recovery. And I would equate a truck to being traded. You know, you play for the Red Sox, you go to Fenway Park, you get traded to the Yankees. You don't go to Fenway anymore. Now you play at Yankee Stadium. So when we get saved, we understand we're a new creature, we're transformed, a new creation in Christ. When you walk into a a, a recovery lifestyle, it is a new life that you embrace. And you can tell if people are going to make it. When they come out of rehab, if they're fighting and not embracing this new lifestyle, it would be like a guy accepting Christ and not want to go to church and not want to be around Christians. Wait a minute. Well, actually, the question is, did he really accept Christ? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Clearly, you you know, you really didn't mean that. So that's how you can tell a loved one or a parent can tell and and the parents and loved ones can't be the guy's cop you know you can't be making them did you go to this meeting did you do that you're not a jailer you're not a sheriff you know you've mm. given them the tools and they have to make the choice but you know remember god says whom the sun sits free is free indeed yeah. and first and foremost chuck i'm sorry if i'm going on about this but this is critical first and foremost pray to god to take this away God will deliver you. I mean, deliverance works. I mean, you don't need somebody to lay hands on you. You can if you don't have the confidence yourself. But if you just ask God to take this from you and you truly lay at his feet, I have seen that miracle happen in people, and it is amazing. And that is my first and foremost recommendation, is pray to God for deliverance to take it away. If God chooses not to deliver you miraculously and wants you to use doctors and therapists, then go to rehab, go to NA, go to AA, go to uh, Faith Farm or Teen Challenge, year-long recovery programs, go to Celebrate Recovery, go to counseling you know do something they'll all get you there like i said some quicker than others all right you make the choice and god will help you make the change that's what his grace is about his grace isn't to overlook your addiction no his grace is to empower you to overcome your addiction that we have wrongly understood the meaning of the word grace mercy is what god extends to us when we're absolutely guilty but his grace well His grace is his unmerited favor, yes, but it's to enable us to do his will, to do his will and to follow his word and to correct our dis-eases and disorders. We'll be right back after this, friends. Stay tuned. This is Viewpoint. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by his spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, behold how they love one another. 
incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friends. We're confronting the deepest issues of America's heart and home from God's eternal perspective, as always, here for 26 and a half years. If you haven't become a partner with us in this effort to prepare the way of the Lord for history's final hour, I urge you to do it. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. There are very few. And if you value this program and it's bringing change in your life, then I urge you to join with us as a partner. You can go to our website, saveus.org. And uh, do it that way. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Now, during the break, Jack, I uh, was gripped by the idea, the understanding, that over the past 25 years, America has been gripped in an ever-increasing uh, vice grip of loneliness. Mm. And uh, this is becoming a plague. Added to that fatherlessness, and you have a prescription for an environment, a culture, a society that is going to be de- addicted. And loneliness, we'll talk about loneliness just by itself. Mm. When you're separated from other people and you feel that separation, you're going to do something. You're likely to do something that's not going to be good for you to substitute for what God intended you to be doing, and that is uh, engaging in good, holy society. We need each other. God even ordained the first marriage because he, he did not think it was good for man to be alone. So with that understanding, for instance, The scripture says that as we approach the end of the age, we ought not to separate ourselves from the body of Christ as the manner of some is, because that actually is increasing our, it's almost saying, I'm willing to be deceived. And deception is a kind of addiction. So we're we're actually putting ourselves in the grip, potentially, of some kind of addiction or addictions, including deception itself, when we do not engage with other people from God's viewpoint. What's yes, your thought? I agree. I agree. Remember, God told us, you know, to live for the spirit, not for the flesh. He created us for a relationship, right. first and foremost with him, and then with each other. Love. You know, God is love. So, uh, you know, we get to love each other and love God in this world, and, and and God told us to be joyful always. You know, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. This is the life God intended. He didn't say it would be easy. He said there'd be trials and tribulations, but he said he's with us. He's going to use them to mold us and shape us so our joy is complete. So I, I believe, yeah, loneliness is, is a major problem, and, and people are turning to the world for their satisfaction. It's not working, whether it's drugs or gambling or the phone or the video games or work or sex or food. No, none of it is working. The only thing that works is God. 
And the only thing that, that works eternally certainly is God, and I believe on this earth is God. And it's just tragic that people would miss that. I challenge people who don't know God, and I say to them, listen, I, I challenge you to open up the book of John and pray and for 30 days, for 10 minutes a day, would you read the book of John and pray and say this to God, God, if you're real, will you reveal yourself to me? Just say that, because God promises if you ask, you'll receive. If you knock, the door will be open. If you seek, you'll find. So if you go to seek God and he doesn't show up, then he's a liar. You can prove he's not real. So I challenge that to people. Then I tell them, take, take the weekends off. As a matter of fact, take Friday off, four days a week, 10 minutes a day. Would you just open up the book of John for, for four weeks and just pray this prayer? Lord, if you're real, reveal yourself to me and read and meditate on that prayer. And I say, I've yet to meet the man who has come back to me and say, I went to meet your God and he didn't show up. But I, unfortunately and tragically, I've met many who won't go look. Yeah, exactly. The Bible says we're to flee from temptation. So let's suppose that we decide we're going to head off to uh well, we're going to head off to Nevada. We're going to head off to right. Las Vegas. And we're going to head off to Las Vegas, and we say, oh, we're just going to put a few uh, coins or dollars or whatever it is in the gambling machine. And uh, you put it in there, and uh, out comes a, a pretty significant return. What are you prone to do the next five minutes? Do it again, right? Sure. Exactly. So what you did... When you went there, you knew or should have known in your mind and your heart that when you did that, you were likely to want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Now, that's yep. what I, I believe that yep. this is what God is saying when he says flee temptation. Yep. You knew what the temptation would be, right. but you ran into it anyway. Yes. Let's say God you. tells us bad company corrupts good character. Um, and, and I say that, look, it, it's a choice. What, what breaks my heart is it's like people don't believe God. And I have, I have two teenage kids now, 17 and 19, in addition to my older boy in his 30s. And it's, it's mind-boggling to me, Chuck. I tell them, this is the road. This is life. I've been down the road. They haven't been down the road. And they don't believe me. Mm-hmm. And, and they're very obedient, wonderful kids. I'm just saying there are some yeah. things that they're just like, I'm like, how could you not believe me about everything? Everything I say is for your blessing and benefit. And it's like people don't believe God. We think that, you know, he, he's withholding something for us, and, and we got to have it now. And it's almost, I can understand why, why Eve sinned in the garden and Adam followed, because that temptation. But God didn't want that, and God doesn't want that of us. And he calls exactly. us to be strong and to put on the full armor. He gives us those tools in Ephesians 6. And you know what? We missed the blessing. What did it? For me, Chuckers, I was scared to stand before God. I knew God was real, and I know I'll be in heaven one day. Mm. And I couldn't imagine that God would say to me, Jack, didn't you know what I wanted you to do? And I would say, yes, Lord. And I couldn't bear the thought of him saying, then why didn't you do it? Mm. I'm not going to live like that, Chuck. And I admire you for not living like that and for the courage you have for this program and and what (laughs) you do for your audience and and for God. I mean, this is faith in action. We don't all have a a platform of radio or speaking or books like, like you and I, maybe. But we all have a platform in life wherever we are. To, to glorify God with our life. And if people don't yeah. see Jesus in us and they don't see that we have something, the peace and joy of God, then why would they want it? And, yeah. you know, we have it. They can have it too. One of the measures, I think, of whether or not we are on the threshold of addiction to something or actually addicted to it is how much time do I spend doing this? How much time do I spend? How much time do I spend, say, eating? How much time do I spend playing video games? How much time do I spend working? How much time do I spend exercising? 
How much time do I spend shopping? How much time do I spend? How much time do I spend? And uh, to a certain extent, uh, I think the measure of our life is largely uh, gauged by where we spend our time. Well, and what we think about. And, and what exactly. I spend. When you are addicted, it, it consumes you. Yep. You may be working and, and be effective at your job, but you're thinking about doing drugs on the weekend or doing drugs that night. Mm. It, it's all consuming, and it really has hijacked your brain and rewired your brain into thinking like that, whether you know it or not. And it has overtaken your life. So, yes, it's 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 clear. And, and again, I, I think that every person who's struggling knows they're struggling. They know there's an issue. They they know it's not of God. It's of, of Satan. And uh, there's help. There's a way out. Again, people need, need to take that way out. We learned from all those 19 authors, Chuck, you know, one of the themes that came through, and no one knew what the other guy was writing about, but was that we must focus on the total person, the spiritual, emotional, physical, relational, mm-hmm. as we overcome addiction, not just one area, because the truth of the matter is if someone goes to detox for three to five days, the drugs are out of their system. They are no longer physically addicted to those drugs. But they're, they're mentally addicted. addicted. They're emo- exactly, exactly. Hence the problem. The addiction is a hideous you know, disease, and, and it captures the brain and rewires the brain so that it is in control, literally right. hijacking the brain. That is a great term, hijacking the brain, and we allow it to be done. Now, one of the great things that have, oh, I say great things, one of the great challenges that has come up in the past 30, 40 years is the increasing use of marijuana. And uh, there are so many people that have made arguments about this, and they'll talk about the medicinal value of marijuana. And uh, uh, in some respects, I suppose there there is some medicinal value, but there is also addictive value. And uh, so we want the addictive value, so we find a justification that sounds good to enable us to engage in the addictive value. So we call it a medicinal value. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that is one uh, mental gymnastics trick that we do. But here's what concerns me. What concerns me is that it is well established that the use of marijuana is a threshold entry drug to other far more addictive drugs. So why then would you allow yourself to enter that realm of temptation knowing that information, especially as a Christian? Why would you do that? You wouldn't. You would not. You would not do that. That's exactly right. Nor would you, you know, go look at a hooker if you're a married man. You shouldn't do it if you're a single man anyway. But I'm saying it's just, just a decision that should have already been made. So if you are in the lobby of a Vegas hotel and a hooker walks by you or New York or Chicago, uh, <laughs> you, you've already made that decision. You don't have to rethink it every time. No, I, I've chosen not to. You know, I'm going to take every thought captive and give it to Christ. It's not a sin to, to look at somebody passing by. It's a sin to keep thinking what I would do to that girl and that hooker and blah, 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 and to keep it going. And that's what we're saying with, with the marijuana. You wouldn't even go there. You wouldn't even go there. And again, it comes to, to trusting God and believing God. You know, it's, it's don't eat from the tree. You know, don't do it. It's exactly. It has to do also with our will. Yes. Amen. Over and over again, the psalmist writes, I will, I will, mm. I will praise the Lord. I will, I will, I will. We don't like to talk about the will anymore mm. because we've psychologized our faith so much 
that it's all about our feelings and not about our will. But you cannot walk by faith according to your feelings because your feelings will not direct you to walk by faith. They'll direct you to walk by your feelings. To walk by faith means I have to choose. It's not about my feelings. It's about truth, and it's about my will, isn't it? Amen. Amen. And the choice to to choose truth and and believe God. We're a society today, Chuck, with the Internet, and you know this, that everything now, 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 I get it now. Amazon delivers to my door in an hour, and I have to have everything now, and, and that's what makes it good if I get what I want. And that's not the Christian way. The Christian way is I've got everything from God. I've submitted to God. I've turned my life over to God, and I'm living for God joyfully. This isn't a prison sentence. This is the greatest thing ever. I've been saved 33 years, and, and I lived, you know, one way for decades uh, by the world's way, and, and mm-hmm. then God got a hold of me, and my life's gotten better every day since then. Well, praise and the Lord for that. It is a joy to walk with the Lord. Amen. And your kids? Where are they standing the kids, now? Uh, the kids, uh, <laughs> one of them is walking exactly what we want. Two of them are not, and we're keeping them in prayer. We're loving them mm-hmm. as parents unconditionally. They have been raised in, in the Word, and they know it and understand it. Yeah. And I've you know, shared with them that I, I believe God's giving them a little leeway to, to see for themselves, but not too much. Yeah. And uh, I hope that they've seen <laughs> in, in our life that, that we don't just talk about it, that we live it. That you know what, Jack? Prayer, that we trust God. You're giving every, every parent's testimony now uh, and grandparents uh, because the, the reality is God has no grandchildren. Mm-hmm. He has no grandchildren. He only has right. children. And those children have to be born of him. And they have to walk gotcha. with him. They cannot hang on to the uh, coattails of their parents or their grandparents or their pastor or anybody else. And uh, so that also brings up this necessity of choosing. Like Joshua said, uh, like it mm-hmm. says in the book of Joshua, choose you this day yes. whom you're going to serve. And I think this is a message to someone today. Someone that's trapped in not necessarily drugs, mm-hmm. But it might be, uh, uh, maybe it's gambling, maybe it's uh, sex, maybe it's pornography, maybe it's exercise, work, uh, shopping, who knows what it is. And uh, God is saying to you, with compassion but with conviction, choose. Choose life. Choose to walk with me. And that's the message we want to leave here. The book is a wonderful book, Addiction and Recovery Handbook, Unmask Addiction, Unchained Recovery. Uh, $23. We'll put this book in your hands. It's on our website, saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. And again, may I urge you to become a partner, friends. These are tough times, and it's getting more and more difficult to raise the resources to keep the message coming. I hope that you are valuing what we do here. You're telling other people about it. Urge you to do it. And then give as God would lead you to give. God bless be a blessing. And if we're going to be addicted, let's be addicted to the love of God. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.